0: So how do we detach from outcomes, and how necessary is it that we do so? Welcome back to the fourth part of the Discipline of Joy, Imaging God's Imminence. Two weeks ago, we left off with this thought, that for us to receive both what God wants to give us directly and what he wants to give us through our husbands— We have to have a holy detachment from outcomes. We need to be detached from outcomes in three ways. We need to be detached from what we are being given, from when we are being given it, and how we are being given it. We need to be detached from what, when, and how with regards to any given outcome that is dependent on someone outside of our own self and we're going to be talking about how being detached affects our relationship with god and consequently our relationship with our husband so the first part of the discipline of joy which is recreational rest both planned and spontaneous detaches us from the what aspect of the outcome Through both planned and spontaneous rest, we take responsibility for giving ourselves the things which bring us authentic joy. We've all heard the saying, the good Lord helps those who help themselves. And that's what we mean. When you take responsibility for your happiness, then that happiness is between you and God, which is as it should be. When you take responsibility for your own happiness, you have recourse to no one but God. When you're attached to the outcome in an unholy way, this is what we call entitlement. Entitled people believe that God owes them something. Our ability to earn things and others' ability to give us things depends on God's benevolence, depends on Divine providence so even if we hide behind pretending that we blame others and not god we are blaming god when we don't take personal responsibility for what we can do for ourselves entitlement and victim mentality go hand in hand so when we're detached from an outcome we trust that god gives us the means to choose happiness and we take responsibility for choosing it, and when we have this kind of outlook on life and this kind of relationship with God, then we stop making our sense of happiness dependent on what others provide for us. When you make other human beings responsible for your happiness, you set yourself up for temptations to resentment when they fail, because they will fail. Only God can fulfill all the desires of our hearts. Now, this doesn't mean that we shouldn't be happy when we receive things from others, quite the opposite. Our joy is deepened because when we are detached from outcomes, we receive anything from others as bonuses rather than from a place of entitlement. So the first part of the discipline of joy detaches us from the what aspect of an outcome. When we are already filled up, already joy filled, we're happy to receive whatever others wish to give us. And we give them grace by assuming that whatever they give is given in good faith and with the best of intentions. I remember a question from a woman a long while back, I think a couple of years now, uh, whose husband went and bought her a smartwatch and she didn't like it. She didn't like how it functioned. She didn't like the color. And she was upset that he was upset that she didn't like his present. She was insisting that there had to be a way to make him understand why she didn't like it. And she was even sharing how he was setting up this smartwatch for her and explaining to her how it would make her life easier for so many reasons and in so many ways. And she could not admit to herself or to anyone That her husband had not only spent a significant amount of money on this present, but that he had put a significant amount of thought into it as well. That he didn't just want to buy her something random and pretty, he had actually thought very carefully about how this smartwatch would help his wife have an easier time that he had either identified or been made aware of difficulties that she was having. And he had thought that this smartwatch would address some of those difficulties and inconveniences for her. She was not open to the response that the most respectful thing to do would be to be gracious and to try it out and to at least wear the watch from time to time. She was insisting that it was somehow disrespectful to be dishonest with him. Now let's think about how that would apply in our relationship with God. If you don't like the house that you're in, if you don't like the car that you have, if you don't like the clothes that you own, you still thank God for the roof over your head and for having a means of transportation and for having clothes to keep you warm, right? There's nothing wrong with you looking for a new house or looking for a new car or getting rid of old clothes and buying new ones. But it's not disrespectful or even dishonest to be grateful to God and on a very basic level that you have those things at all. So why would something different apply to your husband? You don't have to like everything that he gives you. You don't have to use the things that he gives you all the time. But it's neither disrespectful nor dishonest to be grateful for the intention and the effort behind what your husband gives, rather it is disrespectful to be brutally honest and in so doing dismiss the intention and the effort. In last week's end of the month spotlight on Shanti Feldhens for women only, we share this quote, quote, it is not the average man who needs to be less sensitive to a woman's words." but the average woman who needs to be more sensitive to her man's feelings. End quote. Why would a guy keep giving a woman anything if he's just going to be told that what he gives her isn't up to her standards? Is it saintly for a woman to force a man to suffer that kind of rejection time and again, possibly for the entire duration of their marriage? I can't believe I'm saying this, I've heard some women say that it's character building. That part of being rejected by his wife because whatever he did for her wasn't up to scratch is supposed to thicken his skin and build his character and make him grow up into a functioning adult. Ouch! (laughs) ouch, ouch, ouch. You don't have to like everything that your husband gives you. I bet there are things that God has allowed and enabled you to have that you're not head over heels in love with, but you recognize a basic obligation to be grateful to God anyway. If you're supposed to be seeing Christ in your husband and treating your husband as you would treat Christ, would you really be so cruel as to reject what he gives of his own volition? Because it doesn't fit your idea of perfection. The first part of the discipline of joy detaches us from the what aspect of an outcome. The second part of the discipline of joy, the practice of daily rejoicing, detaches us from the when aspect of an outcome. If we are mindful of God's blessings, if we take stock of God's blessings on a daily basis, then we realize how blessed we are and how appropriately blessed we are for whatever season of life that we're in. We have this outlook on life that God not only provides what we need, but that he provides it when we need it. When we lose sight of God's hand, of his divine providence in our daily life, that's when we start getting restless in a bad way. That's when we get impatient. That's when we start despairing of receiving God's answers to our prayers in what we consider to be a timely manner. When we're detached from the when aspect of an outcome, we have this outlook on life that God provides what we need when we need it. And so when God chooses to pour blessings on us through other people, Specifically our husband. Again, we don't have this attitude of entitlement. We avoid being ungracious in our reception because we have this thought that the person has owed us this thing for a long time or that this person has been holding out on us or holding us back by not giving us something sooner. Women will do this all the time. Their husband will finally feel comfortable making some sort of large financial investment like a new house or a family vacation. And instead of being grateful that they've reached this point as a couple, as a family, she starts saying nasty things like, we should have done this 10 years ago. Or, why are we going in the off-season? Or, you scheduled this vacation on my mom's birthday? Or, you know, this house doesn't have the square footage that we talked about. Again, ignoring the fact that her husband is demonstrating a desire to be generous with his family. And being so distrustful, refusing to give the benefit of the doubt that whatever reason he had for giving something at a certain time that he had good reason for choosing that time to do so. The discipline of daily rejoicing detaches us from the when of receiving. We trust that God provides what we need, when we need it, whether he provides things directly or chooses to bless us through other people. And then the third part of the discipline of joy, living the serenity prayer, detaches us from the how of receiving. You remember that the examine we shared in episode 14 had a lot of emphasis on respecting that our husband is his own person, that he has his own life experience, his own thought processes, his own free will, ultimately his own way of doing things. When we're in a bad place, this may seem like it's all about our husband but when we're able to think clearly, we understand how much this affects our relationship with God. Do you trust that God knew what he was doing when he created man? Do you trust that God knew what he was doing when he created men to think and act differently from woman? Do you trust that God knew what he was doing when he clothed man with authority over his wife? At the end of the day, our respect for our husband indicates how much we trust in God's designs and plans, all the way down to the tiniest nitpicky stuff. A lot of women crush their husband's spirit by being attached to how he procures the things that he gives them. I read a long excerpt from Dr. Laura Schlesinger's The Proper Care and Feeding of Husbands in our spotlight at the end of March and the excerpt was about a husband who was trying to be helpful trying to dry the dishes put them away and clean the living room and no matter what he did he received zero gratitude and endless criticism and his wife finally decided that she wanted a divorce it was never enough for her that the dishes were dried, that she wasn't the one who had to put them away that the living room was clean and that he tried multiple times to change his methods to meet her standards. At the end of the day, he could never hope to measure up because she determined what was acceptable and also because she bought into the belief that she was the only one who could do things right. He was never going to win. It wasn't about getting help around the house. It was about her winning. It was about her dominating her husband. This third part of the discipline of joy, living the serenity prayer, detaches us from the how. It enables us to accept that no one is going to do things exactly the way we do them because everyone is different and that's okay. So let's do a quick recap. Receiving is an art. To receive well, we first need to have a holy detachment regarding what we receive, when we receive it, and how whatever it is is procured for us. The previous three parts of the Discipline of Joy accomplish and maintain this holy detachment. We are freed from the many temptations to sin which surround the motions of receiving from others, specifically from our husband. When we are freed from unreasonable and unholy expectations with regards to what our husband gives us, when he gives it to us, and how he procures it from us, we have room within us to receive all things as gifts. And that's the key word, gift. Think of what we associate with the word gift. The basic dictionary definition of the word gift is, a thing given willingly to someone without payment, end quote. There's so much in that very, very short definition. A thing given willingly, you might read that as given of one's own volition. You might read it as given free from external pressures. It's definitely not something that's owed. It's definitely not a debt or something given due to a sense of obligation. And most importantly, it is not something which, when given, forces an obligation upon another person to repay. Here's the crux of why receiving as a wife is an art, and why we refer to it in rather more grandiose terms as imaging God's imminence. How does God receive from us? We undoubtedly owe Him everything. And yet he chooses to treat what we give him as gift. He demonstrates this by giving us free will and by remaining faithful to us even when we are unfaithful to him. In our second episode, we talked about the role of woman as Azer, as help me needing to mirror how God acts as man's helpmate, respecting man's free will and working through inspiration versus manipulation. This is another aspect of Azer. This is another aspect of mirroring God. We talked about respecting our husband's free will and this receiving as God receives, imaging God's imminence is all about that latter part, about how God remains faithful to us even when we are unfaithful to him. It's a different relationship between you and your husband, because the relationship is between two fallen human beings, two people who both mess up, who both mess up all the time, who hurt each other and hurt each other frequently. But we come back to this quote from Carrie Gress that we revisited two weeks ago, quote, "...women are called to contain others, not just to hold on to them, but to improve them and let them go again, now healthier, stronger, and better prepared for the journey." End quote. This is what God does for us, and this is what we're called to do for our husbands. In fact, how much more are we called to be patient with our husbands, given that we are fallen creatures ourselves? And that God, who is perfect, does this for all of us fallen creatures. We're called to mirror God in this way. In the same way that we owe everything to God, and yet he chooses to receive our efforts as gifts, we're not saying that your husband doesn't owe you anything. He absolutely has obligations to you as your spouse. But when you receive your husband's efforts as gifts and embrace his efforts no matter how imperfect they are, you are imaging God's faithfulness. We mess up all the time and it's not even that we're trying to be bad. It's not even that we're doing deliberately downright evil things. We're just doing things that are less than perfect. But even when we do things that are less than perfect, it hurts God because it hurts us. He loves us so much and created Adam and Eve perfect, and he wanted their lives to be perfect and beautiful and always joyful and always wonderful and always fantastic. He wants so much to give that to us, and we are the ones who get in our own way. Mother Teresa, she said, quote, I have found the perfect paradox that if you love until it hurts, there can be no more hurt, only more love, end quote. Yes, sometimes it hurts to receive our husband's less-than-perfect efforts. Take addiction. But you can choose to receive in a way that ultimately brings you more pain, or you can choose to receive in a way that ultimately brings you more love. You can choose to love your husband for trying it all, or you can choose to label yourself a victim of him not trying hard enough according to your standards. That's your choice. That's your choice. But choosing to love your husband for trying it all deepens and strengthens the love between you. Whereas choosing to label yourself a victim of his imperfections widens the chasm between you. In the case of addiction, it's so easy to focus on the one transgression over the many triumphs because the one transgression feels like such a betrayal and it can be and sometimes it is it is a betrayal but that doesn't change the parameters of the choice that's in front of you. One of the most extreme examples of God's faithfulness in response to our unfaithfulness is I think the fact that the character of a priest does not determine the validity of the sacrifice of the Mass. Because it's not about the priest's character. It's about God's character. It's about who God is. And it's the same thing here. When you receive your husband's less than perfect efforts, it's not about him. It's about you. It's about you demonstrating your faithfulness. It's about you imaging God. It's about you choosing sainthood. It's about how you choose to live. Next week, we're going to be talking about why wives find it difficult to receive. Why is it so hard? Where are we failing without even realizing it? And what do we do? How can we get better at it? So thank you so much for joining us this week. Have a wonderful Sunday. God bless. Thank you so much for joining us. You can find all the quotes and resources referenced in today's episode on our website. We'd love to hear from you. And we're looking forward to having you with us again next week on the Will to Wife podcast.